You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. I am the man, sick with the slang, sick and I'm destined for fame. Do for the fam, not for the grand, stunt me a destined for pain. I do not front, I do not scam, put some respect on my name. Sick like a rain, click and I bang, y'all gon' remember the name. Y'all gon' remember the name. What's up ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls around the world? I would like to welcome you back to the Real Talk with Zuby podcast. Now on today's episode, I've got on a good friend of mine. This is Hafiz from the very popular roommates podcast and youtube channel welcome to the show brother how you doing yo what's good zuby so i want to let the people know i'm not multitasking so what's going to happen is my camera is up here zuby's down there so sometimes i'm going to be looking between the two i don't want people to think i'm multitasking through tonight's conversation <laughs> but now nah, man super excited man no zuby has nothing but love for you man brother from another mother man and so you know, when he told me that you're going to bring me on the podcast, man, I just I, I really couldn't wait. I think we're going to have great conversation. And I'm just really excited to meet your audience and also the audience that rocks with me as well. No doubt, bro. 100 percent, man. Um, so I've done a super brief intro there, man. But for people who are not familiar with you or your show, tell the people a little bit about you. No problem. So, yeah. So my name is Hafiz. Um, I created one of the co-creators of uh, a brand. We call it a brand now <laughs> uh, called The Roommates. Um, and the roommates, the goal of the roommates is to help men become the best version of themselves, physically, emotionally, spiritually, and financially. Um, you know, I've basically dedicated my whole life since I was 19 years old to helping improve men's lives. You know, I was a teacher. I was a filmmaker. I was a videographer. You know, I was an author. I was many things, um, but settled into the content creation space because to me, it was um probably the best vehicle in regards to creating content. And so, yeah, so, you know, been, been, has done, have been doing the podcast for the past four years and been on YouTube for, as such. And so we just, one of the things that we like to do, we like to travel the country, interviewing different thought leaders and entrepreneurs. We believe in, we believe in a diversity of thought. So we talked to, you know, the likes of Candace Owens, Ben Shapiro, but then on the, on the flip side, we talked to guys like Charlamagne Tha God, D.L. Hughley, Hassan Minaj, so we like to talk to people on both ends of the political, social, economic, ideological spectrum. And yeah, so that's just basically what we do. And we like to have a lot of fun and, you know, share good information to the people. That's awesome, man. And um, what was it that made you actually want to get into that space and start a podcast and a YouTube channel? I mean, it's uh, it's something that a lot of people talk about, but a lot of people don't actually do it. So what was it that made you go, you know what, let's let's create something here? In 2012, me and my friends created a YouTube series called The Real Talk Series, where basically I wanted to address relevant issues that were going on with men's lives. But at that time in 2012, you know, um, from my experience, I wasn't I wasn't 
in film. I wasn't in, you know, I didn't understand camera equipment. So it cost me about $1,300 to uh, produce and publish that series on YouTube. And for me, as a recent college student, that was a ton of money. Yeah. Um, so I realized it wasn't sustainable. So I started blogging online. Um, after blogging for an extended period of time, I just, writing wasn't my thing. You know, I did it because, but writing wasn't my thing. And one of my friends um, created a podcast at that time. And I got on the podcast. And I just loved the podcast format. I even thought I wanted to do radio. Mm. And so fast forward, I became a teacher for a couple of years, did a bunch of other things. And then when I moved to Houston in 2016, I was hanging out with my with my guy, Chris, Sam, and a bunch of the guys in the house. And I was like, man, I've always wanted to start a podcast. And I've always wanted to just create more content. And I felt like, you know, the conversation we were having in the house needed to be had in the real world. And so mm-hmm. that's when we eventually connected with one another. And then we, I said, yo, let's start a podcast. And we did, you know, January 7, 2017, we launched our first episode, The Roommates. You know, we, I found a, a, a audio producer, audio engineer to come over our house and we recorded and we've been going, you know, four, four years stronger ever since. Awesome, man. That's dope. That's super inspiring, man. I mean, when did I first, I think the first podcast I listened to of yours was actually the one with Ben Shapiro. Yeah. So I think that would have been a bit over two years ago, maybe. Yeah. Yep. A bit yep. over two years ago. So that was kind of like the the first one I saw it kind of, I think it was recommended to me on YouTube yeah. and I watched that. And then um, lo and behold, you know, not so long later, I ended up on the show and I also ended up on Ben Shapiro's show. Yeah. yeah so yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's kind of funny. Yeah. It's funny how yeah. these things, how these things work. So I'm curious to... um go go backwards a little bit we'll no we'll talk we'll talk more about the stuff you're doing now but i'm curious yeah. to find out more about your your background and your growing up and all of that so where are you where are you from where did you grow up what's yeah. the life story leading to where you are now so yeah my name is hafiz omotai obaku so you know i'm yoruba <laughs> um american i was born oh, in staten I was going to say, are we, are we going to compete for the most African name? Right? <laughs> Nobody can compete with you. Put it both that <laughs> Make that clear. <laughs> um, and so, you know, my, you know, I was born in Staten Island, New York. And so being born in New York, especially in Staten Island, is a unique experience because, you know, like diversity is a real thing. Mm. And, um, and and like I said, I don't want people to be too triggered because some people hit the word diversity and they start lo- losing their minds, you know, <laughs> but like, and I mean by diversity of just I, everything, ideas, religions, yeah. you know, social economic background. So when I went to uh, school, I had a friends who were Puerto Rican, friends who were Irish, friends who were Polish. My next door neighbor was Puerto Rican. And um, I think their, yeah, their father was Polish. And so I was just used to being around different people. Mm-hmm. You know, I was never in a monolithic environment. So when I was growing up as a kid, I, I did everything. You know, I watched Pokemon. I watched Dragon Ball Z. You know, I watched Yu-Gi-Oh! You know what I mean? I also played basketball. I played football. Um, I, I traded Magic the Gathering. And, and You know what I mean? And all these mm-hmm. other things. I played MMORPGs like RuneScape. You know, I was a gamer playing Madden, Super Smash. So, like, my background growing up was I was always around a diverse group of people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I felt like that made me a bit of a chameleon where I could honestly be in any environment, you know? And so um, eventually I started, I played high school football. So that kind of gave me, you know, the more jock, you know, kind of background for that. And I got a football scholarship to play uh, Division II football, Wingate University. After that, I transferred to Troy University to play Division I football there. And when I was 19 years old, I became a Christian. Mm-hmm. When I became a Christian, everything changed. It was like like Neo okay. in the Matrix. I just saw the zeros and the ones. 
And I and, and I'll kid you not, Zubi, like people don't believe this, but I got way smarter. Like, like okay. a lot of what do you mean by that? Like for some reason, it was like the way if you read Paul's story in, in the book of Acts when he talks about how when he had that road to Damascus experience and how there's like a a, a, a new revelation that was revealed to him. Mm. To me, I started under like I started picking up concepts easier, like okay. ideas, um, like it just it, it, stories, narratives. Everything became easier to me, so I was able to retain information a lot better. I was able to process and synthesize information a lot better. Better. Um, and so when I eventually got to that point where like, you know, I was so consumed with just like helping people and sharing and teaching and educating where I actually stopped playing football. I believe I was 20 years old when okay. I actually uh, I called it. I retired <laughs> from the football team. And so. So, yeah, that that's my background, you know. And so on the football team, very similar stories. I was mm. I was a guy that was cool with everybody. I was cool with, you know, the, the hood players who came from, you know project but I was also cool with the country boys from in Alabama who came from yeah. the farms and so you know it, it it was never like a sense of like you know trying to appease anybody or trying mm. to you know pander just who I was like yeah there's a general human like everybody wants to be loved everybody wants to be respected everybody wants decency so I think I'm just a person who gives everybody that I just naturally connect with people because of it yeah no that's really awesome man it's and although I grew up in a you know other side of the world I grew up in, in Saudi Arabia I feel like my experience was very similar in that regard in terms of true diversity. So from a very young age, just being surrounded by everybody, of course, growing up in a, you know, 99.9% Muslim country, but then being in an expat community, yeah. surrounded by Americans, Canadians, British people, people from Africa, South America, other parts of the Middle East, just everywhere. So with me, I think that really, to this day, I think it's massively shaped the way I view the world and I'm able to sort of relate to people and just the just having that perspective on things. I'm really curious as to um, how you became a Christian, given that that happened at 19. What was the what was the story there? Yeah, man. So long story short, um, I transferred to Troy University and um, I thought I was going to be playing football that first semester. And it turns out I got I received bad information. I couldn't play football the first semester. So that first semester, I was really down. I was really depressed. I was really out of it. Mm -hmm. um, I just like gave up, basically gave up on just anything social. All I did was focus on school. And um, I I was staying in like one of like the really janky dorm rooms. Mm -hmm. And then um, following the second semester, uh, when I transferred to Detroit, my second semester, my sophomore year, um, one of my friends from Wingate, my first college, had transferred to transferred to Troy and I was like oh that's super dope like now I have a friend I didn't I didn't really have any friends at Troy mm. and so one day I was walking down the um the hallway and I saw because that guy his name was Will Will was my roommate and I saw that Will's name was on someone else's door okay I was like that's kind of weird why is his name on someone else's door so it turned out that Will was placed in two different rooms okay and so I was like, okay, this is interesting. And so um, we, I like, I like kind of like told like, yo, you know, you're, you're, you're in this rooms. And so long story short, it was a bunch of like mix up. And so we'll have to stay in that room um, okay. before we, before we could like get our, our own room together. Gotcha. Gotcha. And um, while he was in this room, there was this guy named Zacchaeus who had like a, a Bible study mm -hmm. and every single week he would invite Will to it. 
And, you know, he will tell me about it. And I wasn't a Christian. I didn't really believe in all that stuff or mm-hmm. wasn't interested. You know, I was just trying to, you know, get laid and have fun, you know? <laughs> and so I was just like, no, I'm not going to Bible study. That's not my thing. I'm not really interested in it. And like mm-hmm. Zacchaeus kept on asking us every single week. And then one day I was like, you know what? Haven't been to church in like six months, you know, let me just go to Bible study. Let me just give it a chance. Mm-hmm. Went to Bible study that first day. And that's where I met my, man- my first mentor, Zach Markham. And um, Zach Markham was this country white boy from Kentucky who just loved black people, man. <laughs> he just, he just loves, I call him the black whisperer, man. Like <laughs> he, he is a black whisperer. I'm serious, man. There's something about him. He's yeah. just so, no offense to anybody. He's just so white, but he's just so relatable. It's just, it's yeah. like, and that's why I hate pandering because you can be yourself and still be relatable. Yeah. And so Zach, it was just Zach. It was one white guy leading the Bible study, just like, you know, 15 other black guys. I was like, yo, this is crazy. Like, mm. I never, like this is, this is odd to me. And I was, and then like you know, I was just intrigued, man, just by the the message of you know the difference between you know religion and relationship, difference between following and being lukewarm. Like it was all intriguing to me. Mm. And after going to the Bible study for four weeks, I just said, "Yo, I want to, you know, I want to go a hundred percent into this walk with God thing." Awesome. Oh, yeah. that's, that's that's powerful, man. That's yeah, really yeah. powerful. Yeah. So fast forwarding a little bit to uh, starting up the podcast yeah. and the YouTube channel. I mean, people can go on there now and see, you know, you've got well over 200,000 subscribers. The videos are getting a lot of views. Things are growing, You're getting all these big guests and stuff like that. But as a fellow creative person, as a fellow entrepreneur, I know that there's a lot of grind <laughs> behind all everything people just see the surface level and by the time people start to pay attention and notice that's normally when you've already done you know the 90 percent of the work that they're that they're not seeing so so i'm curious to learn a little bit more about the about the sort of uphill journey there let me tell you a story started a podcast in january 7 2017 um the audience was majority women because it was chris's friends so let's say it was like 80% women at that time. And you can okay. obviously tell they did not like me. <laughs> oh, really? Okay. <laughs> not at all. Not at all. Oh, that's funny. And so we, I think our opening episode, we opened with 150 v- listens. Yeah. November 2017, we we're at 70. Okay. I was depressed. Okay. I hate going backwards. I hate regression. Mm. So I remember talking to my friend, Sam, one of our co- co-hosts at that time. I was like, yo, we suck. Like, we just like, like, how do we go backwards so badly? Yeah. And Sam was like, yo, we need to just give up. <laughs> he said, we just need to do this for fun. Like, we're probably not good at this. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? You're right. So the next day, I um, listened to an interview on The Breakfast Club with Gary Vee. Mm. And it was my first interview would get listen to Gary Vee talk. And just something about this man was just so inspiring to me. Yeah. I was like, man, I love this guy, Gary Vee. Yeah. And then uh, I got his book uh, after listening to him talk called Which Crush, one, it. Crush It. Oh, okay. Yeah, I got the audio book for mm-hmm. Crush It. That book changed my life, man. Okay. It changed my life. It lit a fire in me be- like the other because Gary's basic premise was if you want to live a 1% life, you have to do 1% work. Mm. And if you're not willing to do 1% work, don't complain about you, that you're not living a 1% life. Yep. And so I literally took every single like message that Gary V said and I started um, like going 110% into the podcast. Mm. There was a time where for six months, I was on Twitter every day for, I'm not going to lie to you, Zuby, yeah. for at least 16 hours a day. Wow. So okay. while, I was, while I was working my nine to five job, I, was, I had another tab of Twitter. Okay. I had 20 tabs open. 
And and if you go to search.twitter.com, I'm not sure if it's still there or not, yeah. but you can search keywords. So I would search podcast recommendation, podcast suggestion, looking for new podcasts, wanting new podcasts, need new podcasts, podcast help, podcasts mm-hmm. in Houston, want new podcasts, Gary Vee. I had all these tabs open. And whenever, whenever somebody tweeted looking for new podcasts or any iteration of it, I responded. Okay, interesting. So I did that for six, I did it, like literally, I would work my job, come back home and go on the internet all day long. Just grind. Just grinding, man. Yeah. And um, long story short, then eventually what happened was, um, you know, I started getting different guests. Um, I went from 75 listens in November to like 400 in January. And okay. for me, that was huge. Yeah, yeah. That was like huge. Like, like, that, like that was like what, like, you know, multiply that by five. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I was just super excited about it. And then um, eventually, you know, we kept them growing, kept them getting different guests, more local guests. And then I also was like, obviously, I was reaching out to everybody in the Gary V community. I had Gary V's like name on the search tab. Mm-hmm. And it, and I was always following whenever Gary V tweeted, I would always read it. I would always respond to everybody who was talking on it. And then one day Gary V tweeted he was going to be in Houston. Mm. And I was like, I have to get him on the podcast. And he was like, yo, if you're if you're an entrepreneur in Houston, reach out to me. Okay. And I reached out to him, like blowing him, like him up, no yeah. response. Yeah. Then uh, I think I think it was like maybe a month before he was about to get to Houston, because he's coming to Houston for the Super Bowl in um in February. Mm-hmm. And then like it's probably like a couple of weeks before he got to Houston. And then all of a sudden, I was like, yo, I gotta try one more time. So I reached out to one of Gary B's guys. It was like, yo, I've been reaching out to Gary. He said, he said, if you're in Houston looking to connect, I have a podcast. I love him on the podcast. He said, let me, let me see what I can do for you guys. Um, eventually he said, you know what? Hey, man, I'm sorry. Gary V's jam-packed. This, that, and the third, he can't come on your podcast. Yeah. It is what it is. So it was like February, probably 8th, 2018. And um, I remember I'm sitting at the house going on Twitter, and uh-huh. I see Gary V tweet um, coming live from so-and-so's podcast. I was like, God dang it. You know what I mean? I was like, I'm like, I'm you on my podcast. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, hold on, wait. I think today's the day he's supposed to be in Houston. Okay. I said, do not tell me he's on a podcast and someone. <laughs> <laughs> so th- there was a link to the podcast and I was watching it. He was in Houston. Yeah. And I was like, God dang it. Like, that's, that's not fair, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then I was like, man, what if I could just find where this podcast is at and just pull up on him? Oh, wow. And I was like, huh, let me let me do some digging around. Yeah. So out of out of every podcast in America, this was the only podcast that I knew of that was based, that launched a podcast and a store at the same time. Oh, okay. So basically the couple, um, shout out uh, Hunter, Hunter Pence, he's a, he's a professional baseball player and his wife, Lexi, they they opened a, a store in Houston and mm. they created a podcast studio in the back. Okay. So on the website for their podcast was linked to their store, and on the the, the Twitter bio for the store was their address. Wow. Okay. So I went to Chris, my roommate at the, the roommate, like my co-host at the time. Yeah. We live in the same neighborhood. I was like, "Yo, I think I know where Gary V is." <laughs> He's like, "Are you hundred percent sure?" I said, "I think I know." I said, yeah. "Let's. What are we waiting for?" So we drove in the car at like twelve o'clock at night. Wow. We drove to this abandoned part of town, being gentrified or whatnot. And I was like, oh, crap, I, I blew it. Gary's not here. Like, it's just like, it's like abandoned, like, you know, wasteland. Mm. But then right before we left, I looked in like the corner of this window and I saw this bright light. I was like, hold on, wait one second. I got out of the car. I looked through the window. 
I saw Gary V. <laughs> so, okay. Literally, I was outside. It's funny. Chris actually had this all on Snapchat. He recorded all this stuff. Yeah, yeah. I was outside, and we were waiting for Gary V. for two hours. Wow. I was just sitting outside waiting, preparing mentally. I'm like, what am I going to say? What am I going to say? Gary V. comes outside. I walk up to Gary. I'm like, yo, Gary, I love you, man. You changed my life. You're so amazing. I just watched you my podcast. Give me 10 minutes. Just please, Gary. And he, Gary V., like, sometimes you can look into a person's eyes and see how genuine you, you, yeah. they are. Yeah. Gary V. was one of the most genuine human beings I've ever met in my life. Mm. Gary V. said, you know what? I'm going to come on your podcast tomorrow. I'm going to do the backflip. Dope. Dope. <laughs> he said, yo, get my videographer's number. We're going to set it up. Yeah. I was uh, I was on cloud 100,000. Yeah. The next day I woke up, texted the videographer, said, hey, you know what? When do you want me to come to Gary's, you know, maybe hotel room and record? Mm-hmm. No response. Yeah. A couple of hours later, hey, you know, just following up, no response. Yeah. Then all of a sudden, I get a response at four o'clock to, hey, Gary got in, invited to go to, to go watch the Super Bowl. And I think it was at Minnesota that year. Oh, gosh. He's being flown out. He's being flown out to Minnesota. <laughs> oh, so we can't do the podcast today. Oh, no. Bro, I was de- I was devastated. Oh man, I was so devastated. You said, but yeah. Gary, but Gary said he's gonna do it. He's gonna do it. It may okay. not be today. It may not be tomorrow. It may not be this year. Yeah, but he'll do it. Okay. I literally followed up with him every single day. I think at one point the guy blocked me. <laughs> and, then, and then so I did. I did. I then I think it was like in May. I reached out to the original guy who I talked to when you know uh, I was first trying to get in contact with Gary, and I was like, yo. Gary said he's gonna come on the podcast. Like, does he have any availability in June? You know, I would just love to get him on. So I've been trying for the past couple of months. And all of a sudden he was like, you know what? I'm gonna do, I'm gonna see what I can do for you. Yeah. He said, June 23rd, can you be in New York City? I said, I'm there. Yep. June 23rd, I remember I was in Gary V's office setting up. I had um Eminem. You know, um, I think it's like, like <laughs> lose control, whatever that song is. You know, you lose, better lose yourself. Lose yourself in lose the yourself. moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I had it playing in the background. Yeah. Like, you, know, <laughs> you know, you only get one shot. Do not miss your chance to blow. Opportunity yeah. comes once in a while. I was just playing it. Gary pulls up. You know what I mean? And yeah. that was like the most epic, one of the most epic moments of my life, recording in Gary V's studio. Sick. And ever since then, I just went off. I just mm. went and just grinded and just got different people and different people and different people. And then, you know what I mean? Then eventually, I think it was like August of last year, that's when, you know, the floodgates really, you know what I mean, broke. And and that's when the podcast really started taking off. Awesome, man. That That's that's phenomenal. That's uh, There's a lot of lessons in that story there for anyone oh, who's sort of, who's paying attention, anyone who's uh, starting a business, anyone who's an entrepreneur or just going for anything in life, man. Um, you have to persevere. You have to persevere. You got to just keep... You got to always keep moving forward. You, you're you going to get knocked back, you know, over and over and over again. You're going to get rejected. You're going to get denied. Um, and, you know, like before I really uh, started starting to make, you know, decent money online and doing some of the other things now, like with my book and my podcast and all that, I mean, I initially just built up my name by traveling around the UK, hustling my CDs on the street, you know, selling my CDs on the street and then eventually moving into shopping malls. And, you know, as a totally independent artist, you know, I've sold over, when I tell people I've sold over 25,000 albums independently, people are like, how did you do that? And I'm like, I spoke to 300,000 people. Uh, (laughs) Literally, face-to-face, hand-to-hand, I sold 25,000 albums by talking to, I I spoke to, I don't know, 300,000 people and 
you know, this many of them said no, you know, a quarter of a million of them said no, <laughs> but 25,000 plus said yes. Yeah. So that's how I've done it. And, um, it, it's really interesting because yeah, people see things now and they don't necessarily know the story behind it all. So Definitely. I think that's super duper inspiring. Thank you, man. What was the, uh, what was the catalyst last year for, uh, things to really sort of blow up? Was it a particular episode or was it, was it like something? four things happened at once? Okay. Um, so what happened was, I um, I brought alpha male strategies on the podcast, a very controversial alpha male strategies, mm-hmm. <laughs> shout out to AMS. I brought them on the podcast. And so alpha male strategies obviously has a predominantly male audience. Mm-hmm. Then I had a clip from a very popular women's um, dating coach named Sham Booty. Oh, yeah. Um, That clip, I put it out and all of a sudden it started blowing up. Mm -hmm. It went from like 4,000 views to like 100,000 in a week. Oh, wow. Okay. So that happened. Then I had another clip from a woman named uh, Mary Jo Rapini that went from 3,000 views to 100,000 views as well. Okay. And then I had, um, I, maybe it was um, uh, the, the Ben Shapiro clip was grown before that. Yeah. There was another clip I forgot. So it was like four videos just all of a sudden just took off mm. literally simultaneously of each other. It was kind of weird, yeah. you know? And then all of a sudden I went from a good week of subscriber growth at that time. A great week was like a thousand subscribers. That's yeah. a great week. Yeah. And eventually we're averaging like 10,000 a week. Wow. Um, and so we went from 80,000 subscribers in uh, August mm-hmm. to 200,000 in November. Wow. Oh, yeah. God, that's 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 phenomenal. I mean, I think, wow, I didn't know it was that fast. I mean, yeah. I, I saw I saw some of that happening. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah. Whoa, I didn't know it was I didn't know it was quite that fast. Yeah, it was crazy, man. It yeah. Was crazy. That's crazy, man. So I want to I want to talk a little bit about some of the stuff that you you talk about in your show and that I know that is important to you and that you focus on. And one of these key things, of course, is masculinity and yes. being being a man in society, becoming a high value man in every sense of the word, becoming a man of character, all of that. And I think we've both observed a lot that. Uh, there's a lot of weird stuff going on in society, a lot of weird stuff. But yeah. I think one of the big ones is that I think, well, I think both men and women have been manipulated a lot over the course of decades, really. And we're in this stage where I think a lot of men for sure don't really know what that's sort of a crisis of masculinity. You know, mm-hmm. people don't know. If you go back in time or even if you go to other countries, I think the role of a man is very clear and even the role of a woman is sort of a lot more clear. But due to a whole bunch of factors right now, a lot of young guys in particular, this is a little bit rudderless and directionless and they don't really know where to fit in and how to behave. So what how for num- number one, do you sort of agree with that observation and how do you think we how do you think we kind of got here? No, that's a fantastic observation, Zuby, um, because it's 100% true. I think mm. people um, who are oblivious and who live by these, you know, these postmodern neo-Marxist identity, you know, politics ideologies will, will disagree with it. Mm. But um, it's, it's a reality. You know, yeah. there is a crisis when it comes to masculinity and you see it. Um, 
men and women feel it. Yes. Um, society feels it. Mm. Um, and so, like I said, we will obviously get more in depth later. But to answer your the latter question of, you know, how do we get here? It's a combination of things. You know, yeah. um, if I'm if I'm being honest, it. This is what I've realized. And, and I, this is this is let me let me tell you my theories and what I know to be fact. OK, okay. here's the theory. The theory is what you look in the when you look in the Bible, you see whenever God gives somebody an opportunity to wield power and power is not bad, mm-hmm. but to wield power to lead and to help people. Whenever they abuse that power, there's always negative consequences that become incurred on this individual. Just straight mm-hmm. up generation curses. Like, for example, like the house of David was always going to have trauma because of the decisions that David made. Mm-hmm. You know, like and, and so there are there are things that are happening where if the leaders don't take responsibility, there's going to be a consequence for it. So there's a lot of things that men did men in power, not all men. Let's clarify mm-hmm. men mm-hmm. in power did that was wrong to women, like okay. women not being able to own property was wrong. Yeah. Women not being able to vote was wrong. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like uh, some a lot of the things were were wrong and so a lot of women have were hurt because of these men in power yes and what we end up doing is we end up throwing the baby out with the bathwater, and we end up because of our you know more you know primitive brains we group things together Mm. you know like so sorry let me go on a tangent real quick like with mushrooms mushrooms aren't dangerous but because there's dangerous mushrooms, we, we, we fear all mushrooms as a whole. Mm-hmm. It's a way of our brains like kind of protecting us from certain things. Sure. So the same thing happens with men. Men aren't evil. Men aren't bad. Some men do mm-hmm. bad. Some men do evil. Some men abuse their power. Some men abuse their wives. Some men abuse their children. Some yeah. men take advantage, advantage of authority that they have. And mm-hmm. so what happens is now, now there is a view of men being the bad guy. Yes. So when you see, you know, some of the most positive movements of, you know, early feminism in the early, uh, was it early 19th, um, 20th century, mm-hmm. the, some of the positivity, it's began to change with the second wave feminism and it became mm-hmm. more anti-man. Yes. Because everything bad became equated with male. Mm-hmm. And then eventually, no, nowadays it's white male. Yep. And so one of the things that I realized is some of the attacks on masculinity happen because a lot of people are trying to throw the baby out with the bathwaters. A lot of people have been hurt by mm-hmm. some of the things that men have done and some of the things that men have failed to do. And so therefore now the blame has been put on men and now therefore they're trying to create a new man, right? So mm-hmm. the old man was bad. The mm-hmm. masculine man, the, the, that man of the of the of, of old was bad. He was an evil abusive drunk who beat his wife and, you know, uh, neglected his children. So let's create a new man in mm-hmm. in the image and likeness that we desire, you know what I mean? And so that's what has happened when it comes to modern masculinity. And mm-hmm. on the flip side, the world has been changing. Yes. In, in a hunter-gatherer society, men flourish. Yes. In a service-based society, men do not flourish. Mm-hmm. They do not flourish. Yeah. When you start automating society, I'm not against automation, but a lot of men suffer because of it. Mm-hmm. Like, you got to remember, most men throughout history were soldiers. That's what they did. They fought in wars. Mm-hmm. That was their purpose. That was what they did. That's all. It's really their skills. So now as society begins to evolve, especially when it comes to education, especially modern education, yeah. which is totally 
geared towards feminine, more feminine style of learning, yes. men, men fail. Mm. And so you have all these different things that can go on for days about the different variables oh, yeah. that go on. But these different things create now this, like I said, an A, distrust in the idea of a masculine man and mm. now a renewed um, neo man that has risen from the feminine mystique. And now this man is weak. This man is 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 feeble, and this man is someone that men don't aspire to be, and definitely women don't aspire to be with. Which is the ironic part of that of that, of yeah. that theory. This new man who's been created is not what um what is sort of what people are even striving for, and certainly not what most women are even attracted to. You know, maybe there's a minority who are, but in general, that's not really the archetype that um that they're interested in. And then I think on the flip side of that, as a result, you get men, because I, I often say that men are reactionary, right? I think when it comes to, certainly when it comes to what people refer to as this, the sexual marketplace, mm -hmm. right? Men are reactionary. I always say that, you know, really women run the show in that department. Hundred Really, right? Women, women run the show. Women sort of set the standards and then men will adapt their behavior to meet whatever those standards at the time and in that place are, because ultimately women are the gatekeepers to sex and relationships, mm -hmm. right? So it's a, it's a funny one because then you get guys who, I mean, this is where the whole, you know, some people may be familiar with the term red pill or the manosphere or whatever, right? And that's where, that's where that whole world even comes in because men are like okay wait hang on the stuff that worked for my granddad or maybe my father in this modern western world in the uk in the usa and canada this this you know be a nice guy and buy flowers and you know the traditional courtship thing this doesn't this doesn't seem to be working for me and then they're looking on social media and they're like wait hang on like you know the guys who seem to be getting attention from the women they, they don't seem to be you know just the the nice guys or whatever but then you also get the uh, the overcompensation yes so so now you kind of have like this sort of dichotomy of men where you know of course you've you've got people in the middle but there is a lot of polarization where on one hand you've got the sort of like very you know <laughs> the the sort of be, beta male simp kind of like just groveling to women and you know i'm just gonna go on her instagram and leave like love hearts all over her things and i'm gonna you know and it, it's not working but i'm gonna do all this right i'm just gonna basically worship women and grovel towards them and you know maybe throw a male feminist in my in my twitter bio and then you've also but then you've also got like a kind of extreme on the other end where it's like oh okay like it's like mercenary, right? It's like it's like it's like you've taken too many red pills. Like now, now it's just like you've almost just kind of become like the the, the sort of opposite of of all of this, where it's going too far. So, what I love about um, you know what you're doing and what I'm trying to do as well is bring people to that middle. You know, <laughs> there is a middle ground here where you don't need to go full on MGTOW. Yeah. You know, screw marriage, screw relationships, you know, all women are the same, all women are like this, and you just get so into that side. Yeah. But then also, you don't want to be on that flip side where someone's just, you know, sitting there watching Pornhub all day and, you know, <laughs> like, you know, and yeah. doesn't know how to have a communicate, doesn't know how to communicate or yeah. doesn't know what it takes to 
even just be a be a, an, a moderately attractive man, you know, maximize their own 100%. appearance and physicality and finances and all that. And I love that you speak about all this stuff very openly on your channel. Um, it, you know, it must be making it must be making a massive difference out there. No, definitely it is, man. Because I think, yeah. like you said, a lot of guys always tell me this is the most recurring message: is that I was hurt. Yes, I felt like society failed me. Mm -hmm. I got very angry. I found red pill content. Mm -hmm. I got even more angrier. Red pill I found rage. you. I found peace. Yes. Awesome. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so to me, all I get so many emails, DMs, similar to what you get every single yeah. day from men all around the world whose lives are being transformed. And like I said, and I keep on using the word diversity, not to meet a color quota, but to show that tr truth transcends everything. You know what I mean? Truth mm -hmm. transcends everything. Mm -hmm. And so it's all kinds of guys, you know, white males from Kentucky, you know, Arabic males from freaking Saudi Arabia, Asian men from Taiwan. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's all kinds of guys, you know, from Canada, UK, you know, Peru. It's all men around the world with being, who are resonating with the message because that's what they long for. Because like I said, a lot of people don't know how the world changed. Yes. See, the world changed. Mm -hmm. Instagram is changing the world. It really the, is. The world that your parents grew up in is not the world that you're growing up in today. Yep. Think, think about it right now, Zuby. How old were, were you when you got your first Instagram account? How old was I when I got my Instagram account? Yeah. Um, I've been on Instagram since, I want to say, 2014. 2014. So is that is that safe to say seven years ago? Yeah. So... Think about it like this. The girls who are 18 years old right now oh, yeah. have been on Instagram since they were 11 years old. Yep. 11 Crazy. years old. Crazy. Yeah. This, this is all they've known. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like to use, to use Bane's terminology, you know what I mean? We, 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 we adapted to the darkness. We <laughs> <Yeah>. were <laughs> born in it. Molded yeah. by it. You know what I mean? like, that, that's literally what was going on. Like yeah. it's changing, it's changing the world. Mm. And, and and on top of that, a lot of the feminist ideologies are changing women. Yes. And this and this and women are suffering because of it. Mm -hmm. There's a whole generation of Generation X and latter millennials who are suffering because of this whole career first, don't need a man mentality yeah. has now gotten them in their later to mid thirties, um, single, lonely and wanting a family yep. and, and not having those tools to get one. Mm -hmm. So and trying it, to pretend that they're happy about it and trying to pretend when they're happy about it, but deep yeah. down inside, they know that the reason why they're always drinking wine and you know what I mean? And watching, you know, Netflix all the time. Cause they're just lonely. Yeah. And the reason why they're buying all these dogs and puppies is because they just want affection and attention, somebody to love. Yeah, dog mom, dog mom should not be a thing. It's like, not it's, it's, ever it's, a thing. <laughs> You're a girl, and you have dog mom in your bio. Go ahead and go ahead and not send me. I'm sending that to, you. <laughs> sending to me. <laughs> it should be yeah, a thing. And so, so to me, it, it the impact is real because people are being affected by it. Yeah, like people are really being affected by what is going on in society. Mm. By these unhealthy messages, by the, uh, like you said, by the crisis on masculinity and femininity. That's what we don't talk yeah. about as well. Mm -hmm. Femininity is under attack because femininity is being perceived as weakness. Yes. And women are thinking that if I am feminine, I am weak. Therefore, I need to be masculine. Yep. But if you are a woman and you're living with your masculine energy, yes, it helps you in the workplace to an extent. 
-hmm. but it, it, it totally hinders you in the dating marketplace because now you don't have the opposite energy to attract the masculine man. Yes. And so, yeah, man, it's just a lot of things that a lot of people are suffering, but a lot of people are experiencing healing and transformation because mm -hmm. they're finally receiving good information that's going to be beneficial to their everyday lives. Yeah, most definitely, man. The, the world is so, it's really complicated. I think the modern West is, I feel like in many ways, of course, society has moved forward in many, many ways over the course of decades, right? If you're looking at any type of most sort of isms or phobias are at an all-time low, which is great, right? You know, there was a time where myself or yourself, whether in the UK or in the USA, people would just look at us and, you know, a lot of people would treat us badly simply because of what we look like and our ethnic origin, right? Which mm -hmm. is which is screwed up. So awesome. Like we are, we are well, well past that. People aren't, you know, gay people aren't being beaten up in the street anymore. Women aren't being subjugated or, you know, all that kind of stuff. But I think when it comes to some other aspects, certainly in the last 10 or 15 years, I think we've seen a regression. Uh, I think when it comes to purpose, meaning, people, I mean, you, you can tell it. I mean, man, I mean, I posted this this morning. Do you know the number one killer of both men and women under the age of 35 in the UK? What is it? Suicide. Wow. Number one killer of people aged 20 to 34 in the UK, both men and women, is suicide. Leading killer of men under 50, suicide, right? And yeah. those numbers are going up. And it's like, for number one, we don't talk about this. It's a very taboo subject. But that to me is, it's screaming like this is a crisis of meaning, mm -hmm. right? People's meaning, people's purpose, people feeling like they have a place in the world and something positive to aspire to and a support system and all of that stuff. I'm like, yo, this is clearly a crisis. People are here talking about, you know, COVID and whatever. I'm like, yo, more people are dying of suicide. More young people are dying of suicide right now and have been than of COVID, mm. right? And But you can only talk about, you can talk about COVID all day long. Like, that's popular. But I'm like, yo, you know, sure, elder, older people are dying of that, sure. But like, more young people are dying of suicide. And then you exacerbate that with these lockdowns in the UK. We're still on lockdown out here, bro. Mm. Still, like they were a year into this. People are still here just sitting at home. And I'm just like, this is a this is a disaster because we were already on this road yeah. and there was already this crisis of meaning. And, you know, I think that's why, you know, people like ourselves are on a larger scale. You know, someone like Jordan Peterson. I think I think if Jordan Peterson came out, you know, in the public 15 years ago even, I don't think, I think he w it would have been considered fairly mundane what he's saying. 100%. Right. But in 2016, 2017, 2018, it's like, whoa, this is, this is powerful. This is so necessary that people have such a hunger, such a desire for just honesty and explanation. And so, you know, just telling it how it is talking about purpose, mm. talking about meaning, talking about responsibilities. We want to talk about rights, rights, rights. I have the right to do this. I have the right to do that. I have the right. It's like, yeah, well, what about, what about the responsibility? Mm. What responsibilities come with those rights? If you're a man, if you're a woman, you're just a member of our society. What, what's your purpose, right? What's the value that you're adding? Yeah, sure. You can take this and you can take that and you can take that and you can take that and you can do what you want. And, you know, try to de deny all your responsibility, but like, what, what's your, what is your responsibility, right? If you've got, if you've got children, you know, what are you doing? What are you doing? Leaving them? Why are you, why are you wilding out, 
in the nightclub when <laughs> your, your, your kids are at home. It's like, what what's going on here? You know, um, so th- there's not really a question. There's not even a question there, man. That was just a little a little rant on my part. But um, yeah, man, great. feel free to add to it. Yeah, man. No, I, I agree with you 100 percent, man, because. Um, yeah, I think people what as I get older, I have all these sayings back in the day that I just lost nowadays. <laughs> But I used to always say people view human history as a linear line of progression. Yes. I view the opposite. Mm. I view human history as a circle. Okay. And every step forward is really a step backwards. Because every step forward, you forget the previous step you just took. Mm. So then you start making the same mistakes. Mm. So, for example, a lot of people look at certain things and like, okay. Let me give you an example. It's the year 3000. And flying cars failed, right? Okay. And like, you know what? We have too much accidents, too much disasters. Flying cars have failed. Let's create cars again mm-hmm. on the, for land cars. So they want to create now tires for these land cars. Yeah. And somebody says, let's create tires like squares. <laughs> Someone says, let's create tires like triangles. Yeah. So say, let's create tri- um, tires like rectangles. And someone's like, well, you know, back in the day, they were, they were circles, right? Yeah. Oh, well, no, no, no. That was then back then. I don't know why they did it back then. Now we're, we're evolved. We're modern. We can do it better. Yep. And every single thing fails. Mm-hmm. And they don't understand that back in the day, another dummy like you thought the same thing. <laughs> and through trial and error, they realized that the circular tire was the most efficient way yeah. of transporting an object. Yep. So what ends up happening is that we forget some of the rules that were established in the past weren't set up to establish a male patriarchy or to establish oppression, yes. but it was they tried other things, they yes. found this was the most effective, and they applied it to everyday life. Yeah. That's why it is. That's why some traditions were what they were. Mm-hmm. Some of them are bad and unhealthy, of but course. some of them are also good and beneficial. Yes. And so in modernity, with with critical theory. Everything is questioned. Yes. Everything is trying to be replaced. Everything is like, why, why this? Why mm-hmm. that? Why can't a man wear a dress? Why can't a man do this? Why can't a man do like it's oh you're trying to redo things that people probably tried 10,000 years ago and it didn't work. <laughs> but because yeah. you have what C.S. Lewis calls chronological snobbery, mm-hmm. and you look back to the people that past you think that somebody you're better than them, yep. you end up making the same mistakes in the present. Most deaf man. Most definitely nailed it. Yeah, I love the fact that you said chronological snobbery because I, I love that term. It's a brilliant term. Um, yeah, dude, that that literally nails it. And yeah, it's a weird one. I often say that, you know, human being. I mean, if you think about it, if you think about it, um, I don't know. The 1800s was only two people ago, mm-hmm. right? So when you hear the 1800s, it sounds like it's a really long time, but I'm like, that's two people. Mm-hmm. That's two people, not even, not even two full lifetimes, right? Just going back, even if you go back to the 1500s, I mean, the 1500s, that's only, how many people is that? That's like seven, eight people ago, Hmm. right? We are not, we are not any more advanced as a species as people were in the 1500 or in 1200 or whatever. We just have more stuff. We just have better stuff. We have better tech. Right. So we have built on the past to some degree, but 
we are the same emotional, irrational, silly people. <laughs> like we're, we're the same thing. And, and it's interesting because a lot of the everything just manifests in different ways. So and I think that's one been one of the most fascinating things about the past year is we have seen every sort of type of individual and collective human psychological phenomenon Mm -hmm. taking place right and it's just a split along different lines so okay maybe over in this part of the world or over in history maybe people were fighting about this religious ideology or this um tribal along these tribal lines or about this piece of land or over this political ideology or whatever and now it's like well we're still doing some of those things but the lines just change right now you have the the maskers versus the anti-maskers mm-hmm. you have <laughs> you have the pro vaccination people and then the you know most people aren't there are, most people aren't even anti-vaxing but you know people will yeah. label each other with these things people are do you know people are still on the black and white nonsense men versus women red versus blue this versus that it's like people can be tribal over anything i mean you see it in sports yeah. right you see it in sports i mean one of the things i find most i've always found bewildering my whole life is um I think it's less of a thing in the States, but in the UK and other parts of Europe, like football hooliganism, right? Like people, people who are so into their football or soccer team that like they will go out and fight and beat people up and murder people over, like they're not even the players. (laughs) You like this sports team and I like this one. So we are mortal enemies. It's on site when I see you because you like this, like, even as a kid, even as a kid, I was like, "What is up with that?" Like, I was, I was hearing, I was reading, looking at stories. Oh, someone, someone got murdered in a football hoop. I'm like, "What do you mean someone got killed over, like they were wearing the wrong scarf or the wrong like t-shirt?" I'm like, "Yo, humans are crazy." Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, humans are crazy, man. They humans are. are crazy. So like, it's funny because I think we think we're really advanced, but when stuff hits the fan. Or when there's like a problem or there's some confusion or whatever, you see just how rapidly. I mean, remember when everyone was buying toilet paper? <laughs> yeah. You can, you can buy toilet paper because I was just like, humans are not rational. Yeah. Humans are not. And why toilet paper? Like, why toilet paper? Of I'm all not, the things I'm you're going to. I'm not going to lie to you, Zuby. I actually disagree with you on this point. Okay. Toilet paper is an essential part of it. <laughs> Is an essential part of my life, Zuby. We all need it, but um, you only need so much. <laughs> you only need so much. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree, man. I think that's just something that, you know, I just, I wish we can get better. That's yeah. why on the podcast, I just try to teach people how to listen to those who are different from them. <clears throat> you know, that's my goal. Mm. I just try to teach people, yo, you don't have to agree with them, have to believe what they say, but just learn how to talk to people who are different from them because this tribal warfare will just get us all killed. Yeah, yeah. For real, man, and I love that about the show, man. You, you, you guys get some really get some really interesting guests and perspectives on, and it's always fun. It's always enlightening. And why do you, why do you think it is that? Um, I mean, I have my ideas on this, but why do you think it is that so many people are so opposed to how to just conversation and listening, right? Like that, it, it seems like people don't want to. A lot of people don't want to. Like people listen and seek content that they already agree with and which amplifies already 
you know, doesn't challenge any of their beliefs or expose them even to just other ways of thinking, even if you're not going to agree with it, but just the, I find it, I find it bizarre, especially over the last five to seven years. It seems like there's more people just not even wanting to have a conversation, like just having a conversation already is like, no, that's too far. Two things coming to the back of my mind. First is the demonization of the other side. Mm. See, when the other side is a demon, there's no rationalizing with the demon. It's like saying, okay, sit down with the devil and try to understand where he's coming from. Mm. You can't. I'd love to do that. That would be a good podcast. Uh, Napoleon Hill's book. um, What's that book called? Oh, uh, Outwitting the Devil? Yes, Outwitting the Devil. That's that's a whole concept behind it. Yeah. And uh, and so yeah, so the that's so people have that ideology, and then so then on top of that, they view association means um, association equals acceptance. Mm-hmm. I had a better word, but I couldn't think of it right at the moment. Agreement, people, maybe. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's like mm-hmm. like people think because you associate with this person, that means you believe what they believe. Yeah. You know, and so therefore, if I listen to Ben Shapiro, I believe everything Ben Shapiro says. Mm-hmm. If I talk to Ben Shapiro, I am supporting Ben Shapiro, and therefore mm-hmm. I'm a Ben Shapiro advocate, and now I'm a bad guy. Mm-hmm. So the first thing is that when you demonize, demonize the other team, which is funny because he's such a nice guy. I know he's such a, <laughs> he's such a good dude. Yeah, and so uh, and so to me, when you demonize the other team, it makes it so easy for other people to now who are on your team to never associate with them and to become now hooligans who mm. only want to fight them and kill them. Mm. Um, and then the second thing is that I think a lot of people's beliefs are like their identity. Not saying it's a bad thing. Yeah. So anybody that's a different belief is kind of challenging your identity. Mm -hmm. So it's like, therefore, if I'm wrong, then I'm nothing. Yes. So you can never be right. Mm. I can never hear you. I cannot accept your truth because your truth is going to destroy my worldview and who I am Mm. as a person. And so when when things when the stakes are that high, you know that's when it's, then you have the you know the liberalization of the American you know psyche and the Western psyche. So people are more coddled and more not as durable as before, and you know and they're and they're weaker. Yeah. Um, now all of a sudden you have people who have you know idea allergies. Yes. You know where because you know they've been so you know li- live in these bubbles, you know they li- will literally die hearing somebody else's different ideas. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I I hear you totally. I think this is something where social media also has a lot to answer for. Mm -hmm. And part of the reason why I say that um, beyond the algorithms is because, and you especially see this on Twitter, because it, it, it destroys the order in which people normally naturally communicate. Mm -hmm. So normally, if you meet somebody in real life, you start with common ground. Mm-hmm. You start with getting to know. You don't start with the most, the, with the biggest conflict or the most contentious or most controversial, most polarizing issue, right? You can go on Twitter and you can just see, okay, this person is like uh, raging, like this person is like a super libertarian and this person is a hardcore atheist. This person is like a, a Christian and a conservative. This person is like a liberal and a Democrat and they hate Trump. Like you, people just, people put it out there. Sometimes it's even in the bio. Their bio will tell you every single thing that they believe, mm-hmm. right? Just straight up front. So whether you are inclined to agree with that type of person or disagree, 
we know how the human brain works, right? You rapidly create a caricature of that person, right? Like if I, and I, everyone does it. If I go on Twitter and I see a rainbow flag, BLM, he, he, him, um, you know, hashtag resist and like a blue way. I'm like, okay, this is like, I know exactly. I know exactly. I feel, well, I feel like, I feel like I know exactly what I'm dealing with. If I go on and I see hashtag MAGA, hashtag keep America great, Trump 20, Trump 2024, um, you know, America. American flag. Yeah, 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 exactly. You know, like, don't try to, I know, again, I'm just like, okay, I know, you know, Christian conservative patriot, right? It's like, and the thing, (laughs) so in Twitter world, or social media world, these two people, like, they cannot, they cannot communicate, right? There's no way. But in real life, if these two people met in real life, just in anything, I don't know, at a sports game, at an event, in a restaurant, whatever, and they start with the normal sort of niceties and getting to know each other. Oh, hey, what's up, man? Yeah, this is my name. Oh, where are you from? Okay, cool. Oh, yeah, I've been there before. Like, oh, I've done this. I've, oh, you've got kids too. Yeah, you know, I've got a daughter. She's People People form all these common things. Maybe later down the line, you get into some heavier conversations. Mm-hmm. But by that point, you've already established a general likability and rapport yeah. And politeness and civility and all that. So I think a big reason why we're seeing this increasing polarization is because it's it's virtually when, when people do that, it's virtually impossible yeah. to have that conversation. And also with something like Twitter, because you're just shouting random thoughts and opinions into an empty space, when people come across you, right? Like some people's, you know, their first introduction to Zuby is like, oh, like who is this? Yeah. Who is this guy? <laughs> They're reading some like some edgy, you know, some fiery, some fiery tweet or opinion. And they're just like, whether they agree with me, you know, if they agree with me, they might be like, yo, I love this guy. Like this is this. And someone else might read that and be like, oh my gosh, like this person is, this is the war. This, this guy is, you know, <laughs> in my brain, in their brain, I'm some kind of demon. Like, I know I'm not a demon, <laughs> but in, in, in their brain, they're just like, oh my gosh, like this guy is, you know, and I think that's. I think that's a big reason. And then people naturally gravitate into their echo chambers mm-hmm. and stop communicating. And then it just gets, it just gets worse, you know? And yeah. I think that's how you ended up with these narratives. Like everyone who voted for Trump is racist. Everyone yeah. who voted for Brexit is racist. Yeah. Everyone who did like just these huge sweeping, very damning sort of condemnations of millions and millions and millions of people who actually you live next door to, and your kids are going to the same school and they're your teachers and they're the people who are helping you and serving you every day. Yeah. But, you know, you go on that online world and it just, you know, it, it, I think that's I think that's a big factor, actually, that people don't really I don't think a lot of people really talk about. I love that point. We talked about it previously and it hit the mm-hmm. nail on the head, you know, and that's why, like I said, back in the day, there was this, um, you know, unspoken political culture where you don't talk about religion, you know, exactly, and yeah. politics. I don't I didn't agree to that. Mm-hmm. And now I understand why. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and um, yeah. So like I said, I, I have friends who are MAGA guys. Yeah. You know, they're MAGA for life. You know, yeah. every everything Trump does is literally like, you know, the second coming of, the, of Christ. <laughs> you know, and I have friends who are never Trumpers. Yeah. You know, every single tweet or post is about how bad of a person he is and you know how Bernie's going to save our souls and all types yeah. of stuff. Yeah. You know, and so, uh, not Bernie, um, uh, what's my guy's name? Biden. Joe. Yeah, Biden ain't saving anybody, but yeah. Yeah, and so, (laughs) so yeah, so, but like I said, but they're people to me. Yeah, 
They're people. I know people. them. Yeah, yeah. You know, they have their beliefs. I have my beliefs. You know, I believe a man got raised from the dead in three days. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, we all have our beliefs. Yes. And so it doesn't mean that we have to disrespect one another. Like I said, my name is Hafiz. It's Arabic. My dad is Muslim. Mm-hmm. So I grew up in a household, you know, where, you know, my dad had a different religion than I did. My yep. dad's the greatest man on the planet Earth. So I just think there's a lot of nuance that's lost in the digital age where if you just met people in everyday life, it'd be totally mm-hmm. different. I think also... I mean, human human brains make shortcuts anyway, which is the result, which is um, how you even get lots of prejudice, prejudices to begin with. But I think also another factor, just thinking about this on the social media one, is the sheer quantity. Mm. Like you have to do shortcuts, right? You know, yeah. you've got you have hundreds of thousands of people following you. I have hundreds of thousands of people following me, and then you're you've just got millions of billions of people on some of these platforms. Mm-hmm. So you almost have no choice. Yeah. But to run these little shortcuts in your brain just to put people in boxes. Okay, like these are the sort of these are the 10 type of people who exist online. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, okay, which one are you? You're this, you're that. Okay, you're this, you're that. Oh, okay. These people are sort of my allies or my tribe. These people are my opponents. And mm-hmm. you just kind of drop people in these boxes. And once someone is in that box, it's very hard for them to get oh, out wow. of it. Even even if they don't know they're in it. <laughs> Even if they don't know they're in it, right? If someone just comes across me and decides like within thir- 20 seconds, I don't like the Zuby guy, right? Then it becomes extremely hard for me to get out of that. And I'm not even aware that this is happening. Mm. I'm not even aware that it's happening, right? If I come across someone's profile and we all do this and then sometimes it gets reinforced, right? If I come across someone's profile, I, someone's saying some, I see someone's write some nonsense on Twitter. I go on the thing, you know, they, they, them, hashtag this, hashtag, I'm, I'm like, oh gosh, like yeah. it, it's now, it's now extremely hard. Like it would be very hard for that person to ever convince me that they're not a weirdo. Yeah. Right. Because I've already just run that shortcut. I call it Zuby's Razor. Right. It's got yeah. a name. And I'm just already like, ugh, like if you have they them in your bio, like <laughs> we, we can't even talk. You know what I mean? Because like you're, you're you're too far gone. But then they may, might look at me and be like, oh, like this guy's like, you know, he's too far gone. Like he's yeah, uh, look exactly. at look at his pin tweet saying he identifies as a woman. Like you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, and it's um it's a big one. So I think also just the sheer quantity because we're not meant to we're not meant to be able to. Not interact with so many people <laughs> we, we haven't evolved to do that and that's no. why yeah you're 100 right we have not evolved to do that i tell people no. that all the time and that's why i personally don't people mm. are always like a feast why do you follow so little people on instagram i'm like why I do i need 500 people that's gonna mess up my brain yeah i follow people i care about i follow the people who i know i follow people that like i'm not going through comments you know what yeah. i mean i'm yeah. i'm talking to my friends and so 100 right i'm a huge proponent of that Mm. I don't believe people, me personally, I don't believe you should be consuming that much content. It's mm. just not the human brain was built for small hunter gatherer, sorry, small tribes and bands. Yes. 150 people maximum capacity for the most part. Yeah. When you start getting into hearing tens, if not hundreds of thousands of people share their ideas, yeah. You no offense. <laughs> your brain's much. gonna explode. Yeah, it is too. And much. then on top of yeah, think about it like this. Let's say one percent of people on planet Earth are complete idiots. Mm-hmm. What happens in, in a world full of 100 people, there's only one idiot, 99 really smart people. A world with uh, 1,000 people, 10 idiots. Mm-hmm. That is what it is. A world full of a billion people, <laughs> that's 10 million idiots. Yes. Complete idiots yeah. who are now online, no respect to you idiots, 
who are now online sharing their opinions, sharing their ideas, yeah, saying things about you, trying to get you to debate them. Yes. Like they have logic and like they have sense. Mm -hmm. And that's the world we live in now. And it's way more than 1% to begin with. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, but it is. It is. I wish exactly. it were only 1%. Exactly. And so that's that's what people are interacting with in the comments. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I might, and this is going to sound some, some really dark Darwinian ideology. <laughs> so forgive me. But you got to think about it. Like, a lot of people wouldn't have survived a thousand years ago. It's true. It is true. They're, they're, no offense, you're lazy. You know, there, there was no government subsidized housing. There was no welfare. Yeah. You know, they're, they're, like you kind of, if you didn't work, you didn't eat. Yes. If you couldn't take care of yourself, you didn't live. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? If you couldn't yeah. stay healthy, you would die. Yeah. The the modern world has nerfed life. Yes. It has it has nerfed life in a way that everybody lives, and that's good. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> But the bad thing about not the bad thing, but the the the, the negative thing about it is Down, downside. Uh, downside. <laughs> downside. Downside of all these people is, living. <laughs> <laughs> the downside is that you have a lot of people who literally are not doing anything. Yeah. Who are just simply mad and want to tear down others who are. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All they want to do. And so you live in a world where people want to find zoobies and fight you all day long. That's their job. Yeah. They're, they're they're on food stamps, they're on welfare, they're on they have on Section Eight housing. They're they're not disrespectful. Like this is what they are, and they look for zoobies to fight. Yes. They want to see men who are doing well, who are trying to help people, who have things going for them, who have who have views that are not contrary to the mainstream narrative and they want to fight you they want to shame you they want to attack you they want to call you name they want to tear you down mm -hmm. that's their purpose in life and that's sad yeah and so yeah man i just think you know i, I mean I'm, I'm from the school of gary v so i'm not going to demonize social media but it, it definitely has created a a platform that exposed yeah. the worst part of humanity most definitely and, and, and that's the side of you when no one's looking yeah and people also forget how new it is. When yeah. was the when was the first iPhone invented? Two thousand and five. Yeah, I think like five, six, something like All that. All of this stuff is only fifteen years old, man. Yeah. All of this stuff, like when when did YouTube start? Two thousand five as well, I think. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Two thousand five. Yeah. Two thousand and five was the turning point. Smartphones, YouTube, Facebook started two thousand and four, I believe, and then Instagram. Like all these things we're talking about, seventeen years ago did not exist and 2003 doesn't sound that long ago <laughs> but that was a whole different world like that doesn't 2003 doesn't sound long ago to me that's the weird thing right but the world totally totally has changed and, and we're i i often say we're in the biggest social experiment ever right now and we do not know the long-term consequences we don't we don't we don't know we, we don't, can we, we no can speculate idea. but we don't know we don't know we have no idea it's kind of like um Dang, I forgot what it was, but I, there was this drug that was, I think there was this drug that was given to children in like Europe. And there's a lady in America who said, no, we're not giving our drugs, these drugs to our kids. And she mm -hmm. was like a whistleblower. I think she won a Nobel Peace Prize because of it. And what happened is a couple of years later in Europe, that drug or whatever, that medicine, like create a lot of deformities and illness in children that he found out years later. 
Mm-hmm. But they found out the consequences years later after a lot of these children were damaged. Yeah. Thalidomide. Yeah. yeah. That's social media. You yeah. know what I mean? Like a lot yeah. of things we're not going to find out until years later. Like, yo, this destroyed a ton of lives. Like I yeah. said, it's not bad. It's not going anywhere. We have to learn how to adapt to modern technology. But there's a lot of things that are negatively affecting people that we have no idea what the long-term consequences are. Real talk, real talk. And that's one of the, um, as a final point, that's one of the things that scares me most about this this situation with these ongoing um, lockdowns and the response and the inability to see people and self-isolation and even the masking, not seeing human faces, not seeing people smiling, laughing, all of that stuff. I'm like, yo, this is a scary experiment, man. Yeah. Like this, the, I, I don't know. I don't know yet. And nobody knows for sure. But I think the consequences of all of that response in the long term are going to be far more dangerous and far more lethal, in fact, than the virus itself was. I, I think we that might already be happening. Like I just I made a joke yesterday that, you know, children are going to grow up thinking that the mouth and nose are private parts. Mm-hmm. Right. Because <laughs> you can't go out in public and show and show your right. They'll be they'll be thinking like, wait, like, why can't you, you know, oh, like this must be. Yeah, this must be something like everyone covers it up. Right. So, you know, how a child's brain works. So just like we remember the age before social media and after, but some people half our age only know social media ever existing. I'm just like, man, I don't know. I often say with the future, I'm really optimistic about some things, but I am very I'm there's some stuff I'm very deeply concerned about, to be honest. Yeah. I agree 100%, man. And I think all we can do is try to create a better alternative for those who want it. 100%. Um, you're right. You know, as Jordan Peterson said, life is malevolence, malevolence and suffering. It's a lot of difficulties, hardships, pains, shortcomings, technological advancements that create technological shortcomings, all type of things that are going on. But we as individuals who realize the problem, who, um, you know, are aware of this situation, all we can do is do our absolute best to create long-lasting change in people's lives to help create better content, to create a, a, a place of Zion for those who want to be free of this matrix, which we call, you know, modern life. And so I just think, you know, I'm grateful for what you're doing. I'm grateful for what we're doing at The Roommates. And I just think that individuals don't so much focus on what can't be done, focus on what you can be doing today to make a change in, in the lives of the you of yourself, your family, and the people around you. Amen. Hafiz Bauku. I think that's a beautiful ending point right there, brother. Thank you so, so much, man. For people who want to check you out and follow you online, where can they find you? Just go to youtube.com and just type in the roommates, you know, youtube.com. Just type in the roommates. You'll see us. We have the, the couch logos, like burgundy logo. Hit the subscribe button, you know what I mean? And just, you know, check out the content and reach out in any way possible. And so definitely check out check us out on YouTube. Most def, check them out. Bro, thank you so much for coming on the show, man. As always, real, real fun to talk to you and appreciate the insights. No problem. I am the man, sick with the slang, sick and I'm destined for fame. Do for the fam, not for the gram, stunt me and destined for pain. I do not front, I do not scam, put some respect on my name. Sick like a bang, click and I bang, y'all gonna remember the name. Y'all gonna remember the name. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. 
Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.